see where I need a bookmark? See why I need a bookmark? So, you know, I, I can't help but um, kind of share, you know, as I, as I was singing, I don't know about you um, when you sing, um, but maybe I'm weird. Uh, but but when I sing, I, Amen. I love you too. When when I sing, I I don't just sing like I picture my words and I picture my Jesus, and and so when we were singing, it just it blows me away how good God is. And so when when we were singing, I was picturing Jesus on the cross, and He was on the cross with arms spread out, blood dripping from Him, and He looks down at me and He says. Jeremy is finished. Jeremy is finished. And in that moment when he looks at me and he says, Jeremy is finished, the, the veil is torn from top to bottom in the, in the temple, and now I have access to God. Because of those words, it is finished. Man, talk about the overwhelming, never-ending perfect love of God. Amen. Look at your neighbor and say, it's finished. Now, now tell, tell, tell your other neighbor like, like you mean it. It's finished. It is finished, church. And Jesus did those things so that we could have life and life more abundantly. Amen. Man, that's something to shout about, get excited about. I don't know if I can contain myself this morning. Y'all better, whew. Let it roll. All right, taking the brakes off. 1 Corinthians chapter 9 is where we're going to be this morning. And, and, and so we're going to be in this chapter. And, and, and think about that. Think about, when I think about what Jesus has done for me, what it does, it compels me to go farther. Amen? When I think about what Jesus has done for me, it, it allows me to step out of my comfort zone. When I realize what Jesus has done for me, it makes my problems not near as worse as what I make them out to be. Amen? And so I'm looking at a man. We're, we're in 1 Corinthians, we're talking about something, a letter that Paul wrote, the great apostle Paul. I mean, Paul's like the Rambo of the Christian faith. Amen? I mean, he's, he's the man's man. He, he'd take a licking and keep on ticking. That joker was tough. I love Paul. Paul would look at most Christians today and he would say, suck it up, buttercup, and let's go. Amen? And, but he writes this letter, and he's writing this letter to his Corinthian church. And, and I think about this letter. See, Paul's life was centered on the gospel. His life was centered on the gospel. It was his life. His life was all about pleasing God. That was his life. Some of you, you know, I heard, I was trying to, to um, we were talking to some boys a couple weeks ago when we were talking about um, just things that happened at school. And one of the boys said, I ain't about that life. And I was like, what life are you about? Well, you know. Like, no, I don't. Tell me. Tell me, what, what you about? What you about? And he gave me all these different things, but none of the things that he was about was about Jesus. See, it's so easy for our life to be about us, and when it's about us, we won't sacrifice for the kingdom. We won't do the things that God's called us to do because our life is more about us than it is about God. And Paul here is, is, a, is an example of a man who's living his life for the gospel, 
not only because of what God's done, but to please God. Because he loved God. See, you don't want to please God if you don't love God. And see, his whole life, he was compelled to please God. He was, his whole life, his whole purpose in life was to please God and to finish the race that God had entrusted to him. Every decision, every choice, everything come under the rule and authority of God and of pleasing him. Everything in his life. I think we all want to please God and know that when the day we die, that our lives meant something. Amen? I, I know that's me. I want to please God. And on the day that I die, I want to hear, those vo I want to hear that voice, well done, my good and faithful servant. Amen? I want to hear it. But I, but I won't hear that. I won't hear that if I'm not putting me to the side. I want to know that my life on this earth stood for something. I want to know. You take, you take apart from the gospel, every human being wants to leave their mark on society. That's why so many of us work our butts off to have things that our youngins are going to discard of in about five minutes after we're dead. Huh? Come on. I know of a man who, who worked, he saved every dollar he ever had. Joker saved money, wouldn't go on vacation, wouldn't do nothing. Wouldn't do nothing. Just saving money, saving money, saving money, saving money. Thinking better for his kids. And when he died, the youngest filed bankruptcy less than a year later. Just blow through it. Everything his whole life stood for, they squandered in a, in a whole year. That's meaningless, right? That's, that's, that's horrible. And, and I think all of us, if we don't put our life and our lifestyle under the authority of Christ, what happens is we live our life for meaningless things and nothing that matters. And the only things that matter are things that we do for Christ. Amen? That's the only thing. And Paul knew that. Paul knew that because he lived most of his life living a lie. He spent most of his life pursuing things that didn't matter. He thought mattered but didn't. Paul realized that he knew what it was like to be a man that thought he was godly but wasn't. Paul realized he had missed the mark, so his whole life from that point on was dedicated to pleasing God. So for our life to mean something, for my life to mean something, for your life to mean something, there's something, there's something very significant that has to happen. Y'all want to know? All right, I'll pray and we'll get out of here. Now, the one thing, we have to realize that for, for our life to mean something, there's a little thing called sacrifice. There's a little thing that called sacrifice that has to happen on our part. We have to sacrifice our wants. We have to sacrifice our desires. We have to sacrifice the things that make us happy sometimes in order to please God. Amen? I'm proud of you. I know that was hard for some of you. I understand that. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, here comes my man Paul. Verse 19, where we're going to start. And Paul, he's talking about a man whose life is full of sacrifice. He's trying to tell the people in Corinth, look. He says, verse 19, though I am free and belong to no one, I have made myself a slave to everyone. To win as many as possible to Christ. 
So Paul's saying, he's telling these people, I'm willing to sacrifice for the good of other people. I'm willing to sacrifice for the good of other people. And when I read this, he was willing to give up his rights to do whatever it took to win people to Christ. Are you willing to give up something for the good of someone else? See, Paul, he was willing to do whatever it took. See, this is the heart that God wants us to have, right? Because everything belongs to him anyway, right? Everything. He wants us to want to sacrifice. He wants us to have a heart willing to sacrifice whatever to God. But a lot of times we use our freedom. And sometimes our freedom in Christ to do what we want to do and we we selfishly promote ourselves instead of promoting the gospel. Even good Christian people like us in this room, we don't know what it really means to sacrifice. One of the one, I'm probably fitting to upset some of you, but you know that's what I'm, that's what I do, right? You see, one of the perfect examples of that is how we become a stumbling block to other people. He's talking about our freedom, right? He, he was he was really talking more about the freedom that we have in. He was talking to the, to, to the people of Corinth about how we have freedom to eat whatever they want to eat. He was, he was really referring to food in that time. Because the Jews believed that you're only supposed to eat a certain thing, and if you didn't eat this, then you wasn't holy. And the Gentiles that didn't know any of the, any of the laws of God, they were eating whatever, and so it was causing a stumbling block between the two. Because these believed this thing, and this one believed the other. Y'all with me? You're tracking it with me? See, we in the church, we become stunning blocks to other people because if, if I, I, can, I, can, I can, everything is acceptable, but not everything is good. See, one of the things we have in the church today, and I, I have been struggling with talking about this, but we're going to throw it out there. One thing is alcohol. Alcohol in the church. You have a group of people that say, it's okay. You can drink. You can do whatever you want to do. That's fine. Then you got a, another group that's on this side and it's taboo. You, you, shouldn't even, you shouldn't even look at it in the grocery store. You should do this when you walk by. Like, it's that taboo. And neither one of them are right. The Bible preaches strictly against drunkenness. But there's nothing wrong with alcohol. But we as Christians take that right and we pollute it. And I have a right to drink alcohol if I choose. Drinking wine or drinking a beer, whatever you want to do. That's your right as a Christian. But if that right causes somebody else to stumble, then you should not exercise that right. You should not exercise that. Let me tell you, God delivered me from alcohol. God delivered me from that. And I am a strong proponent against alcohol. You know why? Because I ruined my witness from a lot of my friends struggling with alcohol and took a drink with them, and I took a long time for me to be able to share the gospel with them from then on. I exercised my right to drink, and I ruined my witness. See, that's when it's sinful. That's when it's not right. I should be willing to sacrifice whatever I want in order to promote Jesus. Now, that don't mean that I'm a schizophrenic Christian where I act this way one minute and this way one the next. You with me? Like, I'm supposed to be true to God's word no matter what. So if drinking a beer or drinking wine is going to cause my brother to sin, it's going to cause somebody else to, to stumble, then I should not do it. 
even buying it messes me up. I remember when I first got saved, I, I'm gonna, this, this, is, this is somewhat comical, but it's also pathetic. I remember going, and I was still struggling with it, and I knew that it was wrong to, to get drunk. And I was trying to kick the addiction on my own, you know, because when you try to do things on your own, you, you fail miserably. I remember going to the store in town where everybody stops at, and I, I was coming home from work, and I ran in there, and I was like, all right, I'm just going to get a six-pack. I go in there, or wait. I thought, they probably thought I was going to rob it because I circled the store waiting for nobody to be in there. Nobody's in the store. Jump out the truck. I, I mean, I am seriously run in there. The people know me like, hey, Jeremy. I'm like, hey, how you doing? I'm running over here. Get it. I come back. I come running back in the store. And, 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 and I lay the beer on the, on, the, on the counter. And I'm getting my money. And the woman is taking forever. And I'm like, here, here, here. Here's a 20. Just keep the change. I take it. And I get in the truck. And nobody was in the store, but the parking lot was full of people. I get in the truck and all the way home, all the way home, I cried. Thinking about the people in the parking lot that saw me come out. They didn't see me drink it, but they knew where I was headed with it. And not that they wouldn't think much of Jesus, but they would think that what I say I believe, I'm lying. Because I wasn't living it. Because in our culture today, Alcohol is equated to the people being lost and don't know Christ. And so, I'm, so I choose not to exercise my right to drink so that I may win my brothers and sisters to Christ. See, there's other things. There's other things that, that we have to choose to sacrifice to win people to Jesus. There's other things that we should be willing to sacrifice. Like my time. I should be willing to sacrifice my time for Jesus. But this is my time. Like, God, give me this time. I should do whatever I want. No, you need to sacrifice that for the kingdom. Amen? And some of us have a hard time for that. We can schedule all these things. We can put vacation on the calendar, baby, but we can't put time for Jesus on there. We can make time on a Saturday afternoon from 3 to 5 or 3 to 6 to watch the dogs play, but we can't schedule time to go spend time with God during the week. We can schedule time to go hunting but we can't, or fishing or do hobbies, but we can't schedule time for God because our lives are too busy. And let me tell you, the time that we have is a gift from God, so really what we're doing is we're squandering the gift that he's given us. And so he's telling us, I've given you the right to choose what you want to do, but what you choose shows what you love. If you're not willing to sacrifice your time to get to know me better or to please me, then you don't love me like you say you do. How about the last one? One more nail to put in the coffin. The right to our money. Right to our money. We struggle with those things. Right to our money. How about our willingness to sacrifice our funds for the kingdom? I ain't talking about throwing an extra 20 in the offering plate. No, I'm talking about helping your brothers and sisters in Christ who need help. Helping people that are struggling. Helping, not with a, not with a heart of, of, I wonder if they really need it. It don't matter if they really need it. If, 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 there's a difference in giving that obligation and giving by the Spirit. Amen? And so if you earnestly are seeking God, you're earnestly following God, and God says, Give that man 
a hundred dollars, you're gonna go to the ATM and draw it a hundred dollars. But if you're not walking with the spirit and you and a man asks you for a hundred dollars, you're gonna say, you need to go get a job. Because you're going to be, you're going to have a judgmental spirit about you. See, sacrificing what we have for the benefit of others will not be done unless you are walking in the spirit and you love God like you say you do. And that's just three things that God laid on my mind when I was talking about thinking about sacrifice. But that Paul was willing to give up whatever, right? And a lot of us were just like my little two-year-old little boy. Mine, 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 mine drives me crazy. My daddy told him that. And I tell daddy, I said, daddy, I know that I should respect you, but I'm ready to take my belt off and beat you with it. Because if he says mine one more time. But that's how we are. We are extremely selfish human beings, and we have to battle the selfishness and sacrifice to please God. Amen? And this is just one verse. Boy, we got a lot more to go. Y'all better hang on. Verse 20 says this. To the Jews, I became like a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became like one under the law, though I myself am not under the law. So as to win those under the law, to those not having the law, I became like one not having the law, though I am not free from God's law, but am under Christ's law. So to win those not having the law. To the weak, I became weak to win the weak. I have become all things to all people so that by all possible means, I might save some. Man, that's powerful right there to me. Paul's, Paul's talking about I'm willing to lay down my rights to win whoever I can win to, to the gospel. Why? Because he knew, man, he knew what it was like to be far from God. I tell you, I tell you all the time, don't forget where you come from. Don't forget what God brought you out of. Because if we're not careful, we won't, we won't be compelled by compassion. We'll just walk in self-righteousness and won't extend that hand of grace to anybody. See, Paul was willing to sacrifice, he was willing to sacrifice any social acceptance from anybody. Any reputation that he had. He was willing to sacrifice that thing. He was willing to do and go wherever in order to win souls. But most of all, he was willing to be, do that to be obedient to the Holy Spirit. He was willing to go and do. That's the biggest problem we have in America today. I'll go to somebody like me, but I'm not going to someone not like me. I don't care if they're a different color. I don't care if they're a different economic status. I don't care if, they, if they're struggling with something that I don't agree with or I don't understand. We, we, we refuse to do those things. And unless we really are compelled by Christ, we will sacrifice what other people think in order to win those to Christ. I, I shared earlier, a couple, probably a couple of months ago, was, was how God changed my whole heart to reach of man that was homosexual. And I was very hard-hearted toward, toward, toward that type of people that, that struggled with that type of sin, and I struggled with it. And then one day, God presented a, a man that I knew, and the man called me and wanted me to eat with him and, and, and have lunch with him. And, and, and me and my flesh, I was freaking out. I called to Brandon. I said, I think I just got asked on another date. What do I do? 
And Sabrina was like, get over yourself. You're not that good looking. I was like, Phew. <laughs> But But I go and, I, and God crushes my heart, church. I go at an obligation. I sit across the table from this man the whole time wondering what everybody in there thinks about me because of him. And the whole time the man looks at me and he says, he didn't know my heart. He cries and he says, Jeremy, you're the first person from a church that's been willing to even talk to me about these things because nobody wants to talk to me because of what I'm living in. I just want to thank you from the bottom of my heart. And I started crying. And I, I had to confess, man, look, let me tell you, I came with the wrong heart. But God's changing my heart in this. And I met with him five or six times trying to win him to Christ. God, God calls us to don't worry about what nobody else thinks because he loves all people. Amen? Amen. He loves all people. So we have to be his people and not willing. I only, I only should care about what the Holy Spirit, what God thinks about me, not what you think about me or you think about me, right? A wise man told me a couple months ago that a reputation is what men think of you, but a testimony is what God thinks of you. Amen. I want to have a testimony before God, not a reputation before men. And if I'm not walking with God, I'm not willing to sacrifice what I feel like other people expect of me, what other people want to pursue God. See, Paul knew that relationships mattered. He knew relationships mattered. He was willing to become all things to all people. I mean, that comes from a heart, church, of appreciation for what Jesus has done for him. He was willing to go that far to become all things because, because of the struggle that, God, that he had been walking through, that God brought him through. He was willing to, to, to identify with people. See, a lot of times we cuss and curse the struggle. We fuss about the struggle. We, we talk about walking through hell right now. This is horrible right now. And it might be. But let me tell you, God's putting us through these things for a reason so that we can be the light for somebody later that's walking in the same path we're walking in. Some of you right now thinking, I wish he delivered me right now. But maybe, just maybe he's still trying to teach you something in the struggle that would be beneficial for someone down the line. See, Paul related to the Jews. He said, I, to the Jews, I became like a Jew. He knew what it was like to be a, a man that was driven by religion. He knew what it was like to be a man who was driven by religion and it was empty. And he, 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 he empathized with them. He knew what it felt like. And so he went to the Jews and he pursued the Jews because he's like, look, I know what you're thinking. I know what you're doing. I understand where you are. But let me tell you, there's something greater than what you're doing. Amen? He's going to the religious. He says, I became like a religious man to the religious so that I could get on their level and I could share the grace of God with them on their level. Because people, I'm, I don't know if you're like me, but I'm not going to listen to you unless I know that you've been where I am. You sit there and you say, oh, I understand, I understand. And, 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 and I'm like, well, has this happened to you before? No. Well, how do you know how I feel? Well, I read about it in a book. I'm, get out of my face. I want you to have experience because if you have experience, then you really know how I feel. Amen. And you can walk with me through it. See, empathy is a powerful thing. To know what the other person feels, that way if you have empathy toward a person, then you know their struggle, you know how to pray for them because you know what you felt like when you were in that situation. 
See, Paul says, I became a Jew to the Jews. Also, to those who did not were under the law, to the Gentiles, I became like a Gentile, so that I may win some. See, Paul knew what it was like to be rejected. Paul knew what it was like to be considered second. He knew what it was like. And so because of that oppression, because of how his religious system had shunned him, he was able to go to those people and like, look, I understand how you feel. And I know what you're going through right now. But let me tell you something. My God's greater. I know the loneliness that you feel right now. I know the pain that you're walking in right now. Because I've walked in it myself. But let me tell you what my God did through the struggle for me. And it gives that person hope, walking in hopelessness, when you're willing to become all things to all people. But you've got to sacrifice your pride because your pride won't let you admit your insufficiencies. Your pride won't let you admit your struggles. Then I start, I start hearing people tell me things of, look, I ain't never told nobody this. I know God's moving in their heart. Sometimes they tell me stuff and I'm like, look, you just made that up, okay? That is no way that happened to you. But then after you, you, you keep digging, you keep listening, you understand that not only is there a story behind it, but there's a pain behind it. See, Paul says, I became all things to all people so I may win some. See, church, Paul is a great example how we as the church should be. And I shared this with y'all at 10 o'clock. But the thing is, is when you become all things to all people so you may win some, it's not just talking about salvation. That word save means rescue. When you've been struggling with something and God has delivered you from it, and you see somebody walking in the same darkness that God called you out of, you should be able to empathize with them and go to them and say, look, brother, look, sister, I know where you are. I know where you're struggling. Let me, let's go to the altar together and let's pray together. Let's pray that God will deliver you. I know your pain. I know what you're facing. Let me help you. And you can pray things over them that they, are, they, they didn't even think about praying because they haven't gotten as dark as you had walked in it. Amen? I remember when me and Sabrina, when, when, when our marital issues were happening, I was so prideful, I didn't want nobody to know what was going on. That, that church thought Sabrina had a terminal disease because every Sunday she was sick. Every Sunday there was something going on. Her head's hurting today. I was lying because I was too prideful to let people know that I was having issues in my marriage. And, and finally, when I, when I broke down and I told somebody about it, the man said, me and my wife walked through the same thing about four years ago. And your story sounds like my story. And let me tell you something right now, that my God is greater than this. And he grabbed me by the hand. And I'm in a Baptist church. You don't do this in Baptist churches. <laughs> so you think. And he drags me down to the altar in front of the whole entire church. And he lays down and he puts his arm around me. And he starts praying for me. And other people in the congregation that knew the struggle too that I hadn't told them. They came and they laid hands on me. And they began to pray stuff over me. Hurt and stuff that I had not told a soul but God. 
And they begin to, to say, God, I know he feels this way right now, but I know that if he keeps in you, you're going to do this, this, and this because you did this for me. And then the next one said the same thing. And the next one did the same thing. And next one, man, I left there with so much burden taken off of me, and I, I thought that I was going to get a divorce. But God. See, those people encouraged me to keep pressing, to keep going because they empathized with me. They were willing to sacrifice their pride and come to me and be vulnerable about where they were. And what, see, that's what it means to be all things to all people, church. To be vulnerable enough to say, you know what, I've been there. Let me walk with you through this. Amen? And Paul's throwing that on us, saying you have to sacrifice those things. I have become. I'm willing to become. So that, there's a purpose, right? You're not just out there telling all this stuff to build yourself up of look, what I, look who I am. No, you're willing to become those things so that you can help rescue them. See, God can change everybody's problems right now. But the reason he don't change your situation, because if he did, you wouldn't be grateful for it. So we struggle through it. We fight, we fight for it. We're, we're, we're walking. We're asking God. We're begging God. He's putting people in our path to help us through it. So then we get on the other side. We're thankful for what God taught us through the struggle. Amen? So that we can become. So that we can deliver. Verse 23 says... I do all of this for the sake of the gospel that I may share in his blessing. I mean, he says, I'm doing all this sacrifice not for me, but I'm doing this so that I can share in the blessings of the gospel. Ooh, that's powerful, church. I'm, I'm not doing this just for me. I'm doing this so that I can walk with Jesus. Amen. I, I'm doing this so that I can be Pleasing to God. I, my whole, I love you, but I'm doing this because I love you, but also because I love Jesus. And I want you to know Jesus. I want you to know the love that I have for Jesus. I'm compelled to be all things to all people because of my love for Christ. So our lack of love to walk with people shows our lack of love for Jesus. Our lack of sacrifice shows our lack of love. Verse 24 says, do you not know that a race, that in a race, all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last. But, when, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer being the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and I make it a slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. And Paul's talking about sacrifice through this whole thing and he's saying, he gets to this end of this piece, and he's like, he explains why he desires to share in the, in the blessings of the gospel. He's desiring to share in the blessings of the gospel because he has disciplined himself. He has chosen to follow Christ. 
He has chosen to train himself in the ways of the Lord. You won't be willing to sacrifice what you want for the kingdom if you haven't yielded your desires to the king. And he's saying, I've trained myself. See, training takes discipline. Training takes intentionality. I've been going to go to the gym for two months. I went two days. I've had the great intentions. I paid my money. I got the card. And I keep telling Chad, please don't turn my card off. I'm coming back up there to pay it. I ain't even back up there to pay my gym membership because I hadn't made my priority so I can even make it to the gym. thing is I had the greatest intentions but I didn't check my priorities so I could follow through my whole game plan was I was going in, in three months I was going to have the abs I had when I was in middle school that was my plan I've committed I am committed to I will not have the body of my daddy in 50 years old and you can tell him I said that because I tell him that every time I see him stand there and go, I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that, Daddy. I'm not going, uh-uh. He said, keep eating that cake, boy. I'm not going to do that. I'm not. But yet, I don't go to the gym. I don't eat right. I'm not sacrificing. And so what's going to happen if I keep on the way I'm going, I'm going to be rubbing the basketball right here every time I get through eating. Some of y'all need to quit looking at your husband's stomach over there. That ain't cool. But, and Paul's saying, look, I'm, I'm, I'm sacrificing. I'm intentional because I am not running this race in vain. I'm running this race looking at the prize at the end. I, I'm doing this out of, tension, out of intentionality, right? I'm, I'm focused on that. I'm disciplined. I'm trained to do what God has called me to do. What does this discipline and training look like? You cannot sacrifice for God if you can't hear the voice of God. And sacrifice means you have to, maybe you have to quit doing some things so that you can spend time with God. Maybe you need to turn this network off for a while so you can spend time with God. Maybe you need to be intentional with reading God's word. You can't know what God expects if you're not reading his living word. You can't expect to hear the voice of God if you're not talking to God. And so that's what it means. You can't expect to be used by God if you're not walking with God. And, and so he says, I am willing to do these things because I am under the authority of God. I am disciplined. I have disciplined myself because I realize that for me to get the prize at the end, I got to do the hard work in between. If I want the goal of hearing Jesus saying, well done, my good and faithful servant. If I want the prize of going to the gates and seeing my Savior with his white robe and his golden sash, with his nails pierced hands, saying, come son, and enjoy the table that I have prepared for you. You don't get that prize by coming to church on Sunday. You get that prize by persevering on Monday. 
by seeking Him on Tuesday, by, by, all, by, by Him being your life. He talks about keeping our eyes on the prize and, and the crown. He was keeping his eyes on the prize. He's keeping his eyes on God. And he was willing to be who God called him to be and make those sacrifices because his eyes were on him and not on the situation. Maybe this morning you've been walking in something and you're fearful to keep going because you got your eyes on the situation and not your eyes on the prize, not your eyes on Jesus. And this morning I challenge you to take your eyes off your circumstances and put them on Christ this morning. Take your fear out and put your eyes on Jesus. Amen? See, see, the prize to him, the prize to Paul was not heaven. He knew he was going to heaven. That was in the bag. He knew that. But the prize to him was pleasing his Savior. The prize to him was, was seeing the face of Jesus who bestowed him grace when he did not deserve any grace. He, he chose to, to he, his whole goal in life, his whole passion was to, was to talk and walk with the, with the God that met him where he was in his sinfulness, that met him where he was jacked up, that met him where he was in a place of destitute, that met, that met him where he was, where his mind was messed up. He met him in this place. He was wanting to see this God that met him where he was. Golly, that's awesome, church. I want to see the God that meets me where I am. Amen. And some of you in here need to come to the God that's willing to meet you right where you are this morning. Right in the middle of the pain, right in the middle of the confusion, right in the middle of your uncertainty. You, want, you need God to meet you right here this morning. See, that's Paul. He was wanting to meet God so he continued on. When he got beat, he got back up. When it got hard, he kept on going. Why? Because he wanted to see the face of Jesus. And you will quit in a minute if you don't want to see the face of Jesus. You will stop in a minute when things get hard if he is not the reason that you keep going. Paul was compelled. His whole life was focused. I can imagine when he got beat up so bad out of one of those towns to where the people thought he was dead, even the disciples that was with him. It's bad when your buddies leave you. Left him laying dead. They thought he was dead. I can imagine when he come and he woke up and he looked around and he was bleeding and he was hurting from the stones and the punches and the kicks and he gets up and he says, I can't wait to see you. I can't wait to meet you again. And I know you love them people in there to hate me. So I'm going back in, God. Until you're wanting with everything in you to see the face of Jesus, to walk with God every day, you will never sacrifice for the kingdom. And that's why a lot of our walks are dry and dead. It's because we're following Jesus for what we can get out of him instead of for who he is. We hang on to our religion. We hang on to our church attendance. We hang on to back when I was in ninth grade I said the sinner's prayer and I got baptized but I've lived like hell ever since that don't please God a man or woman that loves Jesus and that is saved sanctified and set free that is going to heaven is a man and woman man or woman that pursues God 
continuously. That don't mean that it don't get hard, church. That don't mean sometimes you don't doubt. That don't mean sometimes you don't want to quit. But those who persevere to the end are those who are saved. We got this watered down, lukewarm gospel in the church today. You can come in and you can say the prayer and you can get baptized and you can live any way you want to because you're going to heaven. That's a lie from hell. People who are truly saved are people that truly follow Jesus. No ifs, no ands, and no buts. Paul was a man. His whole motivation was to please the God that saw him fit when nobody else did. You see, you're not willing to sacrifice anything for Christ if you don't value him more than you do anything else in your life. And you sure ain't gonna sacrifice if you don't know him as your Lord and Savior. So this morning, before we go any further, if you can honestly say that you don't know that Jesus is Lord, that you know that you've been walking in a way of, of, that don't please Him, that there's never been a definite time in your life where you have said, for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord, and everything in your life has revolved around that decision to follow Jesus. If He is not your life, then He is not in your life. So if you can't say that He is my life, I want you to raise your hand and we can pray with you for salvation, lead you through salvation. Anybody, anybody can say, I need Jesus as my life. I need to surrender my life to him. Anybody need to give their life to Jesus today. Anybody? Anybody else? One thing that God, He talks to me like I, I guess I talk. One thing He told me a couple years ago was Jeremy, talk is cheap and words are empty. What does your actions say? What does your actions say? There's a difference, church, in sacrificing and compromising. There's a difference in loving Jesus and loving myself. So what does sacrifice look for you? How about the willingness to become all things to all people? What's holding you back today? See, today is not a day for us to come and hear a message and go home. A day is a day that we come and listen to the word of God through a man and respond to what God said. Amen? So if we sit still and we don't move, you ain't got to come to this altar. You can kneel where you are. If we don't do business with God, that's saying that I'm not hearing God or his word is is not valid. And his word says, my word will not return to me valid. Amen? So what are we going to do with this today? What are we struggling with today? Are you struggling with empathizing with people? Are you struggling with, 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 with really just coming alongside people? Are you, are you struggling with identifying to people's struggles? 
Maybe there's somebody in the congregation right now that, that you know they're struggling with something and you've been in the same place. Why don't you go get their hand and you bring them to this altar and y'all pray together? Or why don't you pray in the seat they're in? You ain't got to make a spectacle of it, but let's do the business and let's do the things that God's called us to do. Amen? Let's be the church. Let's don't just come to church. I want to be the church. I'm tired of coming to church. Amen? So let's be real. Let's be authentic. Y'all stand with me. When I start praying, if God's moving in your heart, come do business with God. Father God, we come to you right now, and Lord, we thank you so much that you love us so much that you are compassionate, that God, you made a way when there was no way, Lord. And God, I thank you, Lord, that you meet us where we are. And, and Father, I just, I pray, Lord, for every man and woman sitting here today. I pray over every one of them, God. And I know that there are people in this congregation that are struggling with their walk with you. I know there's people that are struggling with their priorities. I know people that, that God, I know because I know that I came to church with a mask on every week, struggling with sin, struggling with everything. God, I pray today that you would do something in us, that you would help us swallow our pride, that, God, you would give us humility. Father, I pray that you would, Lord, lay someone on our heart so that we can pray with. God, I pray that you would help us be your church today. God, I pray that you would show us where we are falling short and sacrificing for you. I pray, God, you would show us this morning where we are selfish because it's all about you and it's nothing about us. So, Father, we ask you today in the name of Jesus Christ to open our eyes, to open our ears, and most of all, God, open our hearts to receive what you want us to have and to be who you called us to be. Lord, I pray that if anyone in this room is lost, their way their life has gotten crazy I pray that you would call them to you that they would yearn right now God they would yearn to see you and that yearning to see you would overcome the fear of coming back to you Lord I pray God against the spirit of condemnation I pray God against the spirit of denial God, I pray against these things that come against us in the name of Jesus that keep us from coming to you. I pray against the spirit of pride that's in so many of us. God, that I rebuke those things in your name, Jesus, so that we may come to you glad. Lord, move in our hearts today. We ask you to change.